my friend was broke. She didn't know what to do or where to turn. I'm Nora Ellen. The reason I began this podcast called Women Starting Over is to help women like my friend who find themselves in financial hardship, like divorce, or lost their job or went bankrupt, or maybe, sadly, their husband passed away. You will love these real-life stories of my guests of how they went from being broke to hope to financial success. If she can do it, so can you. Here we go. Welcome back, my friend. You are really going to love my guest today. She is so unusual, and her business is very unique. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. You are going to be motivated and strengthened with hearing her story. I know a lot of you are going to relate to what she has to share today. And I am going to tell you a bit about her. She's the owner of Exceptional Equestrian and the Kenya Collection. She's grown her business organically and was one of the first tax stores in the equestrian world. Now, for those who don't know, equestrian has to do with horses. I love horses, but not of us, not all of us know equestrian is about horses. So the equestrian world and has used social media and she had a website. Previously, she worked at a rental car company as part of their management training program. And as she worked her way up through the ranks in the corporation, she learned every aspect about running a business from logistics, fleet management, profit and loss. She felt ready to follow her path as an entrepreneur, which is wonderful to learn where you're at. Today, she creates jobs locally and in Kenya, Africa and brings beautiful products such as dog collars, beaded belts, and horse brow bands to the Western clientele. And welcome, Cindy Lay, to the Women Starting Over podcast. Thank you for having me. Cindy, let's start at the beginning of your story with sharing how you've grown up when it comes to your money thermostat, income, and share with us. Absolutely. Um, Growing up, my mother was a single mom and social worker. We grew up very poor. Um, I really didn't know what money was about until we moved to Oklahoma um, when I was in the seventh grade. And we moved to a small town that was very rich in oil and everybody had money except for me. Oh, wow. And um, at that point, I knew that I knew that I wanted something more in life. Um, I didn't know how to get it, but I knew I wanted something more in life. Um, during the, my seventh and eighth grade years, I, I was, I was athletic. I liked to play sports, but, um, nothing really jived with me. So my mother put a tennis racket in my hand and it was a gift. Um, I was able to be very competitive from the get go and played tennis in college and was able to earn a full scholarship at a small NAIA school in Oklahoma to play tennis. So I didn't have any bills. I was able to graduate in four years and actually escape Oklahoma and um, started working for a um, company that hired out tennis pros throughout the world. Um, They um, sent me to Michigan, Wisconsin, Maui, Palm Springs, Um, And as the tennis season was ending and I was about to move on to my next location, 
I started to feel like it was a good time to put my marketing degree to to use. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so that's my backstory. <laughs> All right. That's that's a good backstory. And isn't that wonderful that your mother, as you said, uh, how you put it with putting a tennis racket in your hand, she was thinking about your future. What can you do that's different or that will build a skill that you have that will help you be successful in life? And eventually, when you get to high school or helping with with college scholarships and those kind of things. All right, we'll keep going from there. Super. So I started working for a rental car company um, as part of their manager training program. And as you said, as I worked my way through the ranks, I learned every aspect of running a business. And um, I actually, I thrived. I absolutely loved it. Um, I grew um, up into middle management. And at about 10 years with the company, I needed to move to Colorado and found myself basically on the ground floor again. Um, I had to once again prove myself. And as I started working my way up the corporate ladder, it just wasn't the same. I felt very discouraged, tired, stressed. I even ended up in the hospital with a stress-related oh. illness. Oh, I was no. working 60-plus hours a week and not enjoying really any any aspect of the work. Um, on a short vacation to Napa, I treated myself to a massage, and the masseuse said he'd never worked on anyone with muscle tightness and knots oh, as oh. I had. <laughs> so I asked him, you know, what can I do, stretches and everything? And I told him what I had did um, as a lit for a living, and he just said, change jobs. <laughs> It never really dawned on me that I didn't have to climb that corporate ladder, that I could possibly do something else. And so that's when the idea came to start my own businesses. Cindy, was when you moved to Colorado, was that with the same company, the rental car yeah. company? Yes, it was. Um, wow. It was because of um, the relationship that I was in. We were following his career um, and they did not have a position for me at the same level. So I had to basically start over when I moved to Colorado. Okay. I see that. That helps to know that. Let me ask you real quick, while you were there, it sounds to me like you were self-taught as far as learning how to run a business from logistics, profit and loss. Tell us a little more about that for our listener that might be working for a company right now or what they can glean from that company when it comes to business? Well, I was a sponge. Um, I, I, I'm kind of an overachiever. And I um, any opportunity that I had to learn, I would learn it. Um, the, the nice thing about the particular rental car company that I was with had a very good training program. And they, um, as, as you grew through the company, you got more responsibilities. And they encouraged... Um, the growth and learning and the promotion of their uh, their products. Um, so it was it was it, it just came very naturally through their their training program. Okay, that's good. But did you have the option of taking their training programs, or did you make sure that you got on the list, so to speak? Um, it was just part of the business. It was that was just part of. The, the the first step is learning how to rent cars to customers. The next step is learning fleet management. The next step was managing others. So it was it was more. I wish I could take credit of doing this on my own, but the program that they created gave gave you all the tools you needed along the way. 
That's great. So if you're working for a company, that would be a good kind of company to do that. If our, yes, for sure. If our listener is thinking, well, the company I'm in, there's no way to learn things. There's no way to grow. Then maybe find a company who has a plan like the one Cindy worked for where that's what they do for their employees, which is really smart. It just ends yes. up having the company be more successful. Great. Thanks for Absolutely. sharing that part. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you were in Colorado and your masseuse told you, gave you some great advice. Go do something else. <laughs> Go do something else. Exactly. Were you scared? Um, no. And it, it, I think um, I was just in such a channel that I didn't see anything other than just working for this company. So it, it really opened up my um, my peripheral vision, if you will, to see that life doesn't just exist with this company. I could possibly do something else. Um, I really didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, I thought maybe for my health and happiness, I need to look to the future in a different way. And at the age of 40 and after 16 years with this rental car company, I packed up um, and left convinced it was the right move. Just not really sure what decisions um, might, where it might take me. Um, my first step and probably the least daunting at the time was to start doing something related to an increasingly interesting passion of mine, which is being an equestrian. Um, I um, absolutely loved horses and um, I loved the work with them, the knowledge, the understanding required to build a relationship with one's horse to be successful. Um, while I reveled being in the environment, being either on top or around horses, I also started seeing a few creative opportunities to begin earning an income. Um, I started making jewelry um, that would interest the equestrian community, um, mostly just charms for the horses, bridle and halters. And um, my path to one of my businesses, Exceptional Equestrian, slowly emerged. That is wonderful. I loved what you said about you used your passion, thinking about, well, what are you passionate about? And seeing opportunities for income, which is really key. So you had some entrepreneurial bent in you that developed around then or or maybe sooner, and you acted on it. That's wonderful. Thank you. Okay, so at that point, then you had started your equestrian business and how long were you so you're still doing that how long did that take you to really get up and running well here's some of that fun relationship with money <laughs> um i the, the business was successful from the very beginning um and then i would start buying products because they were selling quickly but i didn't create any kind of budget for myself and at the end of the month, I would get my bills and my bills were more than what um, the money that was coming in. So I did get in trouble um, with um, with money, with my business. Um, I've since learned to put a budget in place and um, only spend within my means. I only use my American Express card because um, at the end of the month, it has to be paid off um, instead of racking up credit card bills and having all that, the credit card um, interest fees and everything. Well, that's wise. I I did not know that about American Express. <laughs> so maybe it sounds like some of your, what I call subconscious programming, when it came to money, started kicking in with yeah. how you grew up. 
Yes. Um, well, and also when I worked for the rental car company, I made really good money so that, and I always knew I had a paycheck at the end of the month. So I never really ever, once I started, once I got, was successful with the company, money was never really a, a burden. Um, then all of a sudden here I am on a, owning my own business and it's that, that paycheck isn't coming in all the time. And um, so I really had to kind of change gears on how I handled my finances. Um, I did have a little bit of a 401k, so I was able to um, keep the business afloat and, um, and have the success we're having today. So in a way, it was a nice problem to have that you had more orders than you were able to handle. So that was a good thing. But what you're saying is then you kind of changed your strategy, which caused some financial hardship there. But you readjusted. I I have a saying, TFA, try, fail, adjust. So you adjusted. That's fabulous. I'm the same. I'm very much the spaghetti. Throw the spaghetti on the wall. If it sticks, let's go with it. If it doesn't, let's move, change the next plan. <laughs> I do understand that. We all do operate differently. I've, I've done a lot of fly by the seat in my pants, but it is better to be strategic and, and planned out. So once you fixed your budget, tell us what happened from there. Um, well, then um, the, the business grew. I um, was everything was um, everything fit in the back of my Murano. Um, it was just kind of a hatchback car. Um, the business grew organically. Um, today we have two mobile units, a forty foot and a forty eight foot cargo trailer. That when you open the door, it looks like a boutique inside. And then we have a brick and mortar store at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala, Florida. Um, one of the lines that I carried within Exceptional Equestrian was the Kenyan Collection. Um, the founder, uh, Joan Schultz, was hoping to retire, uh, but looking for the right buyer t- who appreciated the work of the Kenyan artisans um, and would tr- and do the business in a fair and mutually beneficial way. When she asked if I was interested in buying the company, I said, absolutely. Um, two years ago, I purchased the Kenyan Collection, and within a month, I was on the ground in Kenya, seeing and experiencing the culture, traditions, and kind of meeting the people that represent the Kenyan Collection. Um the grassroots for the Kenyan collections. Um, it started when Joan was living in Kenya after September 11 and witnessed the donation of 14 head of cattle to the U S embassy to express their condolences for the lives lost in that tragedy. Um, Joan decided she wanted to return their gift in some way and committed to helping the Kenyan artisans create, present their beautiful work to the rest of the world. Um, the Kenyans, um, she was working with felt really strongly that it should not be a nonprofit. They felt like doing so would suggest one would have to manage expectations of quality and delivery. And they wanted to dispel all of that, that they can, they can create quality and delivery on their own. Um, Due to the success of the line and commitment to the quality and availability shortly after we purchased, um, we shifted to a private workshop and um, we have Judy who sits with Helen and Sam to coordinate finding the best leather cutting the leather, packaging, counting the beads to be given to the mamas who work from their homes in rural areas. Um, both Sam and Helen speak Swahili, English, and Ma. Um, mm-hmm. And if new mamas come in, Helen will train them how to become a beater for us. Do we they, also have George. Do they live Sorry. in Kenya? The they live Helen... outside of Nairobi, yes. Okay. Um, okay. They, they live out in the bush with no running water or electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have purchased um, solar lighting so they can beat at night. Um 
And um, through the increase in pay and the volume of work we've been able to give them, we've seen changes in their lives. Sure. Um, one community used their income to build a school. Um, another community bought a water container for their village. It sits next to their homes for the runoff. Um, will go into this container. This one community lives um, probably two miles away from the nearest local um, or the, the nearest water source. So this change, this created a, got rid of a horrible burden for them. Um, the women are empowered in many ways, including escaping domestic violence. Um, one of our mamas over Christmas and her children were um, able to confidently leave an abusive situation. Um, so um, it's, it's, we're definitely giving, um, giving them an opportunity to create their own um, entrepreneurship as well. Right. Wow. That was, you said a mouthful in this last couple <laughs> minutes. I'm thinking, I'm going to go back and listen to this again because I was taking notes as fast as I could. <laughs> but that is fabulous. And it's true for women that money, lack of money can keep us trapped in domestic violence. I know that is part of my story, and the purpose of this podcast is to empower women around money and business and income so they can have the freedom that they need to live the life that they want and leave a legacy, especially for their their children and grandchildren so they don't have to live in poverty or or the domestic violence. Yeah, they want the same things that we want for our children, and you're absolutely right, leaving a legacy and, and giving them opportunities that they may not have ever had. Definitely. And I really appreciate about the woman that owned the company who was looking for somebody who understood with working with fair and a mutually beneficial way. Mm -hmm. That's very important to us. It is. And that says a lot about you, Cindy, and your character. I appreciate it, too, not to make it into a nonprofit. That's a whole different world. But teaching one's to profit and it's okay to have a profitable business and even help those in need who need to learn how to have a skill and profit sometimes i think we can only do what you're doing through a nonprofit situation but we can do it where it's beneficial to you as a business owner and also to the ones that you were helping to learn a skill in a business, take care of themselves and their children and their family. And that that does change lives. You get a lot more confident as a woman when your income increases. Go back and tell us the part where you said you sent some things to a private workshop. I Could you give us a little more detail on that? That was a, a really important step that I want our listener to understand, and I'd like to understand myself. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, we, so when Joan was, when Joan started the um, King Collection, she was basically a distributor. She, uh, this private workshop, um, hired out all the mamas and provided them with the leather. And um, this woman decided she no longer wanted to stay in business. And so um, when we bought the company, we learned shortly thereafter that we no longer had a supply chain. And so wow. that's when I had to go to Kenya and um, create the workshop and, and create, um, find our leather source and find uh, mamas that could bead for us. Wow. What an adventure. <laughs> yes. And it was, it was an incredibly expensive venture. Um, 
However, what I learned on the cultures and how to communicate and the gifts that this co- that we could give these women and you know the the proverb of feed a woman a fish she eats for a day um teach a woman to fish she eats for a lifetime right. um it was it was that experience that we were able to interview train and bring on these women that could um could create their own their own success and did you need to teach them step-by-step the skills or did you find women that had some skills to work with? Interestingly, beading is part of their culture. Um, They, the colors of the beads will represent um, their marital status, their, um, how many children they have, their wealth um, and how many beads they have will also represent that. So um, they've always been beaters, um, some better than others. Um, if we have a mama that comes in and beads adequately, that's not good enough. So we will sit down with them and train them so that they, that the beads are tight and we're not worried about the beads coming off or, um, the patterns being irregular or anything. And so, um, if, if, and if, if a mama wants to learn, we will definitely train them. Um, we have about six different, the Maasai, live in communities throughout Kenya. And um, we have six communities that um, work for us. And within that community, there's one lead mama um, who um, is incredibly talented and, and pretty much the mama of mamas. She, they, she will um, go back and train these women who want to learn how to be better beaters and, um, and help them as well. Wow. That sounds wonderful. What an interesting culture you communicate through beads. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. that is. And so they're not even shy about showing off their wealth then. That's interesting. In yeah, and, yeah, and cattle's their wealth also. So the whole donation of the 14 head of cattle um, was an extreme gift for um, for from the, the Kenyans to... Um, the U.S. because they felt so bad that 9-11 had happened. That was tragic. And Mm -hmm. I am amazed and thank you for sharing that they gave such a beautiful gift to our country. That that would have been something nice to hear on the media. (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. We need more good news on the media right now. (laughs) That's a piece of good news. We certainly do. If you ask me. So that's wonderful. Tell us more about your business with the Kenyan collection. Um, absolutely. Um, the, we, we wholesale, so we sell to pet stores and boutiques throughout the country, actually throughout the world. We have accounts in Australia and Germany and Switzerland, England, Canada, um, but we also sell on our website. Um, we offer dog collars, um, beaded belts, um, the the buckles are all made by George, the buckle guy who will go out into junkyards and find scrap metal, melt it down into his own molds and create all of our hardware for us. Um, the leather is all cow and goat that is all fed to families. So it's all sustainable and ethically sourced. Um, the beads are Czechoslovakian glass beads and, um, 
a mama will come into Nairobi um, to our workshop and um, we've strategically placed the workshop next to a shopping center so they could come in and get flour and rice and things that they need at the same time of picking up their assignments. And we'll provide them with um, a bag of beads, the pattern that we would like for them to bead with the leather um, and the thread that they'll use. And then um, they'll bring their assignments in. We pay for their transportation back and forth. Um, and so it's a, it's a really, it's a really neat system. It sounds like Joan knew what she was doing. I know I said that earlier, but to have you be the new owner of the Kenyan collection, it all sounds lovely, wonderful, impacting, and it is a beautiful story. I'm Thank you. very impressed, Cindy. And when you say we, do you have a partner or you're talking about with your employees? Um, I, my husband and I own the Kenyan collection together. Um, however, because of the cost of the trip, only one of us could go out. So I, I, I went by myself to Kenya. Um, we planned to go again in 2020, but obviously with COVID, we were unable to, and I don't know that we'll be able to go back this year, but hopefully in 2022, both of us can go and, 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 and experience the culture and, um, the dynamics of everything that goes on to making uh, a caller. It was funny. I had called home one day after visiting the leather repair, the, the leather shop and visiting where we get the beads and visiting the mamas and visiting George, the buckle guy. And I was thinking, we don't charge enough. <laughs> There's so much that goes into making our product, mm-hmm. but we were able to keep our prices where they're at. Um, so that's a good thing, but it's, it's, there is a lot that goes into um, creating our products. It sounded like that to me. That's why I'm going to go back and re-listen to <laughs> everything you said. And to not have been there for a while, you must have some really great people in Kenya who are amazing. helping with this business. Yes, amazing. Judy is um a little bit of a backstory. She is the daughter of Joan's best friend um, from Kenya and um, is educated and lovely and as passionate about helping um, these mamas as any of us. And, um, and so I'm very lucky to have her. And then Sam and Helen had worked for another company that did um, beating. And so they were already familiar with places to go to find the right leather, how to pick the right hides, um, how to teach the mamas how to bead. And so um, everything kind of was fell into place like it was supposed to. It was really neat. That's wonderful. And it always takes a team of people. We don't do anything by ourselves and it takes the right team of people. How do Absolutely. you manage between your exceptional equestrian business and the Kenyan collection? Um. You know, up until last, up until December, um, I was able to do juggle most of it by myself. I'm an over, like I said earlier, I'm an overachiever. If I'm doing 15 things, I, I'm much more productive than if I only have one thing to do. <laughs> and so um, I, I, I loved, I thrive in a very active kind of chaotic um, environment. Um, we opened our store at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala. Uh, brick and mortar store. And it was beyond our expectations by tenfold on how busy we were there. And um, I was having to manage 
the store, come home, fill orders, um, and continue with social media and everything. And then finally, my husband um, said, hey, let me help. And so he does help with fulfilling orders now. Um, I have hired someone to help me with the social media side of things. And um, and now the season's over with the, the equestrian store, so it's not as busy. So I can kind of get back to the roots of things. However, we are about to travel with one of our trailers to Michigan and we'll be up there for from June through the middle of September. Um, so again, it'll get a little bit chaotic because we'll be shipping from different locations and um, working remotely from different um, locations as well. So uh, it's, it's about to get crazy again. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And there was a lot of other steps in between. I'm sure that we have not been able to cover with getting a product to market and getting all the steps along the way with distribution and everything like that. This was a very meaty interview. By by meaty, I mean M-E-A-T-Y, which means packed full of great information. Oh, good. And would love to hear more, but we're pretty much out of the time that I tried to do our interviews in. Is there anything else we didn't cover that you want to share with our listener before we sign off? Um, I the the biggest thing is to just kind of the passion needs to be there. Um, society kind of tells us that women need to be moms and focus on families first. Um, you know, in my earlier position with the rental car company, I learned quickly to overcome any and all roadblocks to make sure that things happened and got done. Um, coming up in the ranks in the 80s and 90s, there was definitely a boys club environment. Um, so I felt like I had to be better than my male counterparts. I had to learn to play golf so that I could be um, be able to meet on popular um, common grounds when interacting with clients. Um, I was able to elbow my way into the boys club for the most part. Um Certainly things have improved um, in the terms of recognized roles women play in business. Um, But um, I can still see pockets of business world where people will always look over your shoulders to see if a boss is coming, a male boss is coming. So just make sure to have your confidence. um, And and if you want to start your own business, just remember that you're just selling widgets. Um, Delivery needs to be amazing. You need to believe in what you're doing and the products you're presenting. Um, and um, be the best at what you're you're offering. That is excellent advice, Cindy. Cindy thank Lay, you. thank you. Now, how can people reach you? Tell us about your websites. Um, there's we have two websites: um, exceptionalequestrian.com and thekenyoncollection.com. And um, you can also find us on social media at Exceptional Equestrian and the Kenyan Collection on both Instagram and Facebook. That's wonderful. Well, you have been an incredible inspiration today. We loved hearing about your adventures because <laughs> what <laughs> you did you. really was an adventure, <laughs> especially when it takes you around the world. And we do have women from Kenya listening. So I am sure they have totally enjoyed this episode. And And I want to tell them from the United States, thank you for giving us the gift of the 1,400 cattle as Uh, to help us with being comforted in the tragedy from 9-11. Cindy, thank you. And to our listener, thank you for tuning in to Women Starting Over. And until next time, 
Bye-bye. Well, my friend, thank you for letting me be with you today. Please leave a review so that women that need help can find this podcast. I am Nora Ellen, your host. See you next time on Women Starting Over.